0: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. We all experience conflict in some shape or form throughout our working lives, and if not addressed properly, it can make for a toxic environment in which to work. So, what's the best practice when it comes to resolving conflicts in the workplace? Well, we're joined now by HR and mediation expert Louisa Meehan of Woodview HRM. Louisa, good morning.
1: Good morning, Pat.
0: Now, we're not going to talk about strikes and, you know, unions negotiated with management. There's loads of machinery for that kind of thing. We're talking about the rows that occur in any organisation between two or more individuals. Do you believe that conflict is inevitable and maybe even necessary?
1: Look, it's, it's essential, actually, to be honest, because a lot of the kind of conflict that we have is really healthy and constructive. Uh, we might call it different things. We, so we might call it brainstorming, Or innovation or creativity. So, in order to come up with a new idea, you have to disagree or you have to challenge the existing idea. um, And you have to probably do that with somebody else in a lot of situations. So, that is a conflict. The issue is, I suppose, when it gets personal, when it becomes about the person and not about the task. And that's where you get those interpersonal disputes and where it becomes hostile. And it can, as you said, become quite toxic if it isn't dealt with quickly enough.
0: Yeah, uh, because if you don't get your way in that particular boardroom argument, uh, you may be resentful of the person who won the argument.
1: For sure. And and the... The interpersonal conflicts that I'm talking about, typically they will challenge our underlying core values. So, um, you know, a thing that I would hear quite a lot would be somebody saying that they felt disrespected. Um, Now, what that means can be very different depending on the person. Uh, Obviously, we're becoming a much more culturally diverse and age diverse workforce. And so people can have very different Uh, expectations in terms of how they're treated at work or what they deem to be respectful versus what their colleague might deem to be respectful. And so if your core values and they're set in childhood, if they're challenged in a way that you find to be threatening or that you find to be you know, disrespectful, for example, then it is likely that that will result in a conflict or could result in a conflict.
0: Now, we don't want to stereotype uh, work situations, but I, I have to ask you your experience of uh, intergender conflict, if you like, men versus women, women versus men, uh, compared to men versus men conflict and women versus women conflict.
1: Yeah, um, I think, you know, I think there's all kinds of conflicts happen with all kinds of people. Um, I remember the first time a a good few years ago now where I had a man who was in a conflict situation at work and he would have been, you know, around my dad's age. So he was in his 60s at the time. And um, I met him in a pub to discuss the issue and he burst into tears. And I was doing HR for you know about fifteen years at the time, and I I had never had a man do that. And it's happening more and more. Actually, that the reactions that you're getting from men and women in the workplace are much more similar. You know, within the first month of starting in HR, I had um, the occasional woman doing that, but it, you know, it is more recent, I suppose, from from my experience. Hmm. The gender can cause conflict in terms of. You know, certainly there can be sexual harassment issues or there can be... But I mean, if
0: someone has a row and the man is arguing strongly with the woman, is there a likelihood that man will be accused of bullying where if the reverse takes place, it's it's only what he deserves?
1: No, not necessarily. Uh, No, if it is about that sort of aggressive behaviour, it doesn't actually matter whether it comes from the man or the woman. And actually, it's tolerated less from women than it is from men, because it's almost as if, sure, he's a man and, you know, he's just flexing his muscles. um, Whereas women are not expected to to be aggressive in the workplace. They are expected to have a different uh, approach, a different... I suppose softer skills to be stronger in the yeah. softer skill area, and not necessarily the case.
0: Now, uh, the other uh, stereotypical characterization is that men may have a row, and then it's forgotten, and they're talking about the football a half an hour later. Uh, women, the stereotype is often suggested, they never let it go.
1: Yeah, and and again, I would say neither party lets it go if it is something that is a, is attacking their core values so they might appear different in terms of how they're discussing it Um, and certainly in my experience sometimes women may discuss it more than men but neither party lets it go. Men do not let it go either and they can hold on to it for years. Um, So if it is something that's attacking your core values, who you are as a person as opposed to disagreeing over a task or an item or an activity or time frame or whatever it might be, if it's attacking who you are as a person, if that's not addressed and dealt with the probability is that the individual, male or female, will hold on to it and it will fester and it will become mm-hmm. toxic.
0: And a classic example at the moment is the Enoch Burke case being played out in court uh, where Enoch Burke would maintain his core values are uh, being compromised in some way by what he was asked to do. That will play out in court in time. So that will play out. there are a number of steps that you can take to try and resolve conflicts before it becomes toxic.
1: There are. The the single best step, um, and I was taught this a very, very long time ago by a manager who made me go through it, is to actually go and talk to the person yourself. So if you're in conflict with somebody or if somebody's annoying you or irritating you or has upset you in some way, to go and sit down and have an adult to adult conversation, let them know, because oftentimes the other person is completely and utterly oblivious. So just by letting them know, it gives them the opportunity to change their behavior or to address it. They may never agree with you, but they might well respect your opinion and allow you that sort of safe space. So encouraging individuals to talk one-to-one is by far the easiest and best solution where it's possible. That, that needs to be done early. The next thing to look at is introducing a third party into the conflict. So in some situations that might be the line manager or the local HR person sort of stepping in and again, keeping it very informal and having a conversation. The step up from that is bringing in an external mediator. And a mediator is somebody who's impartial. So you have no, uh, you take no sides, you're not there to create any judgment or you know, to, to come down on one side or the other or anything like that. It's very important to, to be impartial. It's confidential and it is voluntary. So that means that there's no sort of litany of notes and agendas and sure. meeting transcripts and all that kind of stuff. But most importantly, Pat, it is about self-determination. So the parties solve the problem themselves. And in one mediation I did many years ago in a nursing home, one of the things that went into the mediated agreement was that the uh, parties needed more bananas because people in nursing homes like bananas and the people that were working there didn't have enough bananas I couldn't have come up with that. No matter how long I worked in HR, I was never going to come up with that solution. But okay. it was a solution. Now,
0: if all of that, if mediation by a third party fails, um, is it that you resort then to whatever formal procedures are, have been put in place by the management?
1: Exactly. Mediation doesn't always work, but if it hasn't worked or if it isn't suitable, then that's when you look at your formal procedures. And the three primary procedures that you'd be looking at in that situation would be your grievance procedure. So that's one employee raising a grievance against the organisation or another, your dignity at work um, policy, which can cover everything from bullying and harassment and, and a other cohort of areas within that, um, and then your disciplinary policy. So if there is an issue and somebody has been found to be at fault through an investigation process, then it may warrant disciplinary action up to and including dismissal. That's when it gets serious. Um, Going down the formal investigation and the formal procedures are essential. um, It's part of my job that I I enjoy doing because I'm on the outside of it, but for the people who are in it and for the parties who are involved in it, Irrespective of who is right or who is wrong or who thinks they're right or who thinks they're wrong, in my experience, it causes pain to all parties. So, whilst I would encourage people to do it where it's appropriate, I would encourage them with a lot of caution to be sure that they know what they're getting into and that they have explored and exhausted all other possible approaches before they head down that road.
0: Louisa, thank you very much for joining us. Louisa, me, an HR and mediation expert at Woodview HRM.